Hello, I'm Jess Brighting and I've never clapped. Welcome to Learning to Clap with Jess Brighting. This is clonks and bonks and the occasional ding. It's episode 29 of If Knees Were Like Nipples, We'd Have Much Smaller Legs. You're on a desert island. You're allowed all the music you want. You're allowed the Bible to read. You're allowed the Oxford English Dictionary, because why not? You're given the choice. You can either have a hat or have a boat. Which do you choose? I would choose a hat. You've just heard a clip from You Like Hats Too Much, the podcast about people whose love of hats is a risk to their health. Well, hello, heapsters, and welcome to the Soundheap podcast. I'm John Luke Roberts, the CEO and fun captain of Soundheap Inc. Heapsters is the new nickname I'm trying out for our fans and listeners. That's you. Do you like it? I like it. Do you like it? Tell me later. Okay, heapsters, buckle up. We love podcasts here at Soundheap Inc. In fact, we love them so much, we make them. At last count, we had 1,302 podcasts on the network. From Blup Blup Blup, the parenting podcast hosted and edited by two babies, to Hale and Paste, Gareth Hale's podcast where he reviews all types of paste, from wallpaper to crab via tooth. It can be hard to know where to start, which is why you should be grateful we make this weekly taste pod. Here's a short pause for you to say thank you. Coming up later, a clip from Ratta 3E, a fan podcast for Disney Pixar's Ratatouille. What is your favourite beat of the film Ratatouille? Oh, too many to choose from. I'd say, you know, so there's an amazing scene where there's like a castle and there's like almost like fairy dust or something which flies over the castle. Then the castle zooms out and it reveals that it's sort of it's in Disneyland. Ah. And then Walt Disney comes up on the screen and you're like, this is, I'm in Disneyland. That bit's, that's one of my favourite bits. We'll also have a clip from Bunny, 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 the podcast which asks, how could human art and culture be improved by putting more rabbits in it? I would love to see maybe The Last Supper with some rabbits. Uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, It'd be, nice. be really beautiful. It's not like that painting by that man. Who was it? Who did that painting? That man. You know, the old man. The dead one. The, the dead pain, one pain who man. did the painting of The Last Supper. Yeah, on a wall. Yeah. Da Vinci. Uh, it's not Da Vinci. No, it's one of those, though. It's one of those. Those it's old one ones who were the turtles. Yeah. But before that, I'll hand you heapsters over to Casey Muffling, who's going to tell you about an upsetting episode of Untold Stories Told. If you'd prefer to not be upset, I don't blame you. Hey, I'm Casey Muffling, lead producer on Untold Stories Told. I'm here to tell you about our upcoming episode. And a warning, this episode is not nice at all. The voice you're about to hear is out of Police Sergeant Charles Neek. I don't know how many people did that, but it was de- definitely over the the safety limits of of what a glue factory might have. And they were just everywhere. They were just everywhere and they were in the machines. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, I think so. They were inside. They were not fully inside. They weren't? They weren't fully inside. No, they were inside the machines. So part of them? Part of them was inside. And I, I'll, let, I'll let you f- figure out what, what part. Right. The hands. 
No, not the hands. Untold Stories Told presents Sticky, the man who f glue. They all tried to run, but unfortunately for them, the glue held them in place, so I was able to apprehend some of them. Unfortunately, I was the only one to the scene. They, they, we had quite a lot of different, different excuses, I'd say, that they were just, they were just testing whether the machines were working satisfactorily and, and somehow they slipped and they were now inside the glue. They were, they were hard to look at because they were still enjoying the very process of glue in their mouths. And I'm quite squeamish, I'm a, I'm a Catholic man and that kind of thing, I've, I've never seen that kind of pleasure. It was almost, I could almost understand why someone would do such a thing. It was, I had that slight feeling, I would, I would never do it myself, but looking at these men just covered in glue, glue in their mouths, glue on all parts of the bodies, just, just, they, they seem the happiest that man could ever be. Hear more in Sticky, the man who f glue, where I asked Dr. Helen Deepen, an associate clinical psychologist at Oxford University, Harvard University, and author of The Neurology of Sex, why the men would do such a thing. Because they're very strange people. And what would you say to them if you had them here? You are loved. You are worthy of love. You do not need to go to glue to find love. Uh, there are human beings that will provide you the, the tender support that you crave from glue. What would you say if you were feeling slightly angrier? For God's sake, man, just stop it. Get away from the glue. Some have argued that this fetish is harmless, but what effect does it have on other people? Listen to Sticky, the man who f glue, to find out. I have to say it was instant, just this feeling came over me of the absence of love. I had no love for him after what he did. This is Dane Prentice, ex-wife of Daniel Prentice, one of the men in the glue factory that night. Their names have been distorted for privacy. I have not felt any need to go back and pick up any of the pieces. What would you do with the pieces if you did pick them up? Put them in a bag and possibly bury them. I, I have, I have outdoor space that I could do that in. I suppose. Um, so it, it wouldn't occur to you to pick up the pieces and stick them back together. As much as I may pick up the pieces, I do not think I would stick them back together again. No. But if you were to stick them back together, what you know, what would you use? Find out in Sticky, the man who fuck glue. Casey muffling there, really putting herself through it. After that, you deserve something of a palate cleanser. So, here's a real lemon sorbet of a clip. What a wonderful pram you have there! Absolutely fantastic pram! Beautiful pram, the kind of pram I've never seen before in my life. Absolutely fantastic pram, and uh, can I also say, that's a brilliant hat you're wearing. 
It's a lace hat with a brilliant ribbon, and uh, I think uh, everyone around here should be uh, over the moon about it. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a huge round of applause for this amazing nanny with her fantastic pram, her brilliant hat, her beautiful ribbon. Woohoo! That's a clip from Jules Holland Hoots at Nannies. This year's episode is released next week, although it was actually recorded a couple of months ago. You're listening to Soundheap. Soundheap. Podcasts, 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 podcasts. Uh, I don't understand why I cannot be a drag queen uh, also. Uh, I have a very good bone structure. Huh? I can... I cannot walk in heels, but you can be taught that. Uh, I feel um, I feel bullied because all the others in the region they are all you know they are all allowed to be in it. But I why why not me? A clip there from Tucked Behind the Grapes, competitive drag among the great French wineries. In Strategies for Hide and Seek, professional hide and seekers give tips for all sorts of players, from the novice to the advanced. In this week's episode, Britain's Ted Short chats with Australia's Hannah Box. Quick fire round this week. I'm going to fire at you some places and I want you to tell me how best to hide in them, okay? Mm-hmm. okay? Okay, here we go. Start simple and see where it goes from there. Okay, silverware drawer. Lie down very flat. Mm-hmm. They don't call it flatware for nothing. Garage, a garage. Under the car. Great. Um, in a natural but, but, history museum. Oh, well, in a dinosaur carcass. Uh, a big pond. Bring a snorkel. The fruit and veg aisle of the co-op. I bring a I bring a penny, and then you look like staff. Your average sized Odeon multiplex. Oh, cinema three. A baker. Obviously. A bakery. Uh, dresses and a clear. An orchard. Dresses an apple. The intersection of the M4 and the M40. Oh, you'd have to bury yourself in the roundabout. Strategies for hide-and-seek there. And if you'd like to meet Ted Short, the UK's foremost hider, then, well, you'd be lucky. Now, here's an extract from this week's episode of An Angel Ate My Car and Other Miracles Gone Wrong. I was um, I was in church, and I and I asked for a sign, and almost immediately light just shone through through the window, and the way it fell, it looked just like a piece of toast that looked like it had the Virgin Mary on it, and I'll be honest, I didn't know what to do with that. I have to make this very clear. It was definitely not... It was definitely not an image of the Virgin Mary. It was an image of a piece of toast that looked like it had the Virgin Mary on it. I wanted a sign. I wanted a clear, unambiguous sign of what I meant to do with my life. And I'm sitting there and I can see I've got three missed calls from the bank offering me a loan to open a bakery, and I don't know if this is a yes or a no. 
I said to everyone, come here. And you had to all stand in like a sort of... You had to stand in line with it to make sure that you could all see it from the same angle. And everybody agreed that it was definitely an image of a piece of toast that looked like it had an image of the Virgin Mary on it. And um, all it did was make them hungry, to be honest. I've never seen a miracle myself, although my assistant Dawny tells me it's a f***ing miracle that she's still here working for me with the wage I pay. But that's a joke, I think. She tells a lot of jokes, does Dawny. I mean, either she tells a lot of jokes or she really, really hates me. Now a clip from this week's controversial episode of How to Put Out a Raging Fire, brackets, mainly guesses, close brackets. Nobody visits it, but there's a bit sort of above Manchester and Yorkshire. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Before you get to Scotland, it's sort of like a purgatory. It's like the the, the geographical purgatory sort of, of lim- England. Limbo. It's a limbo. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a wasteland. But, right. uh, but yeah. there, I've heard that they lick the fire. So a fire begins and they, they all run and they start to, to they lap up. Mm, they, they, lap, they lap up the fire, like, very much like a cat lapping up some milk. And it, I don't think that puts the fire out, but it does okay. burn their tongue and that's where a Georgie accent comes from. Oh, <laughs> Mm. That that well, that is that explains a lot. Yeah, how we oh the fire is so hot. It's because their tongue they can't right. form sounds in the correct way. Like 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 from a hull is obviously the is the RP of of the north, mm. and anywhere else is wrong, and that's because of the uh, right. The, the the t- so tongue. Anton Deck have licked fires oh, together. They've, they've been licking fires together since they were born. Since, really, yeah. yeah. Since he was shot in the eye with that paintball. Yeah, so we're trying to offload our fire to Newcastle. Mm. I see. So if you could chip it up there, then it's their problem. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I suppose um, it would be a bit like uh, sending coals to Newcastle. Yes. Yes. Yeah, like I, guess, I guess so. Funny, yes. The, old, yes. You know, the saying. I, the saying. Oh, that's sending... like sending coals to Newcastle because... Um, yeah, that's... We don't know about your sayings, but if you could tell us how to get a fire on a bus... That would be yeah. very helpful. Well, buy a ticket, I think, is the first step. Mm. Um, that's, yeah. the, that's, that's definitely... But my uh, thing is, if the fire is under 18 months, does it need a ticket? Or can I uh, sit on my knee? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It would have to be visibly under... They'd have to say, oh, this mm. is... Yeah, but you'd have to buy a ticket for yourself. I, I was thinking you yeah. would just put the fire on and sort of wave bye-bye, and, because uh, otherwise yeah, you would be going sure. to Newcastle, wouldn't you? Welcome, we don't want that. And on behalf of the whole Soundheap family, I'd like to apologise to anyone who happens to be listening. Oh, and offended. You're listening to Soundheap. Soundheap, bringing our tongues to your ears. The problem is, the records keep selling, baby. So what are you... What are you going to do about it? At the end of the day, you just got to hope that if you're in that, you're in that pit, you're in the mosh pit, you know, and you know, crazy train comes on, you've got to hope that Tommy Iommi is drunk enough. I mean, God rest his soul, 
you know, that he won't play it perfect because if he plays it perfect, there'll be casualties. And I'm not just talking about Aussie. I'm talking about everyone. Hundreds of thousands will die in an instant because of a rogue G-flat. That was a clip from new seven-and-a-half-part docuseries The Deadliest Riffs. Please don't listen without medical supervision or, at the very least, a confident friend and an EpiPen. Dr Vivian Tinsley has been making waves in the world of therapeutic psychiatry with her revolutionary method. Dr Tinsley leads clients towards healthier mental landscapes by getting them to imagine things were different sizes than the size that they are. A typical session will see her getting her client to imagine a paperclip is very, very big before moving on to other objects and eventually people. Here at Soundheap, we're delighted that Dr Tinsley has chosen our network as the home for her first podcast. Here's a clip from Imagining Things with Different Sizes with Dr Vivian Tinsley. We're in a world here, I'm creating a new mental world, where we take away this concept of size, which is essentially a meaningless notion. It's essentially a way of creating a pecking order of animate and inanimate things. And it's kind of true to say that women over the years and various sections of society have been small in inverted commas. And I'm trying to get you to challenge that and to suddenly realise that the women in the past that may you may have been involved with mm. were not five foot four, but were actually five foot eight or seven foot. Yeah. Does it change your opinion of them? Do you suddenly see them as more powerful, more vibrant, more vital, more significant women when you imagine them as massive? I do. I certainly, I find them scarier. Oh, I thought you were going to say more attractive, but scarier. Okay. And and why is that? Is it because they could hurt you? They could hit me on the top of the head. Yeah. No, on the I. Top. Yeah. You like that? Like, you know, whack a mole. Yeah. They could raise your their hand above your head with ease yeah. and just knock you into a hole. I don't yeah. trust. I do not trust these tall women. Do you think, if you imagine yourself going back in time to the relationship with the normal, normal heighted woman, yes, if she was, if you imagined her as bigger than you, mm. would you have treated her? with more respect, more awe, would the relationship have lasted? I will say she was quite a biter. Like, right. you know, so I wasn't, I was quite intimidated by her as it was. Right. Um, I, 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 and she came up to obviously about my um, my chest. So it was my nipples, which largely That's got why the... she bit you though, wasn't it? That was, she had to bite you. That was her defence mechanism. It's like a cactus. She used oh. what she had. She used what she had, uh, you know? I've just realised, I think I've had a breakthrough. She thought I was going to hit her on the top of the head. She did. She I did. I never knew. Can you, never... you, for the first time, what you've done, Nicholas, is you've put yourself literally in her shoes. Oh. You have imagined what it's like for a paperclip you haven't gone what's it like for Nicholas to be a paperclip you've gone what's yeah. it like for a paperclip to be a paperclip and that's massive that is the paper cl- and the paperclip's massive massive it is massive 
and you're massive and now your ex-girlfriend's massive very big i'm gonna text her actually mm. i'm gonna say i'm sorry i didn't realize how tall i was in comparison and what that made you think and that she was you thinking were about big. whack-a-mole all the bloody time all you know the time and, and, and that is living in terror it is i've, I've you know? lived it i've lived it myself just then just in my head not for long and that was bad enough so a huge welcome to Dr. Vivian Tinsley from everyone here at the Soundheap Inc. family. Or maybe that should be a tiny welcome, which we're imagining is huge. Next year, it's the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, and the National Department for Breakfast and Sports wants to celebrate that. In honour of the Queen's 70 years of uninterrupted throne sitting, the DFBS is adding an official new item to the full English breakfast to be chosen by a combined expert jury and public vote. We're delighted that the Department for Breakfast and Sports chose Soundy Pink to make the official podcast for this initiative. In For Her Majesty's Breakfast, host Levi Dacre and guest discuss a different possible breakfast edition each week. This week, Levi is joined by Carl 20p. What have we got this week? Pineapple's out. Sorry to whoever suggested pineapple. We're going with another audience suggestion this week, aren't we? Yes. This week, the suggestion that we're going to discuss is should we add... That's a drum roll. It's a nice drum drum roll. roll. Should we add to the full English breakfast... Yogurt, Greek yogurt. yogurt. Should we add Greek yogurt, yogurt to the full English breakfast? Are we talking just natural plain, or are we looking at flavours here? I don't think. Well, are we looking at honey and fruit? They don't say. So Do I think unsweetened, bit. plain, right? Greek natural yogurt. Greek yogurt. Martin, um, immediate thoughts. Are we optimistic about this? Because to me, this seems like yogurt's something that that blends in. You know. It's mm. not going to distract like a pineapple slice. It's not going to shout and do a big dance and say it's all about me. Mm. It's going to mix in with the other flavours that are there, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you've got the beans, you've got the bean juice, you've got the fat, you've got all the kind of sizzling fat. Mm-hmm. And I think there's no reason to necessarily think that the yoghurt's going to do anything else than just sort of mix in and be a nice sort of binding agent for all those lovely flavours. Right. What about you? Are you feeling positive or negative? Uh, look, I, I think there's something to be said for that, for the blending. The thing I have about Mushroom, yoghurt... Cream of mushroom, that's yep. a thing. It's a, it's, it's it's a soup, like I think, isn't it? It's a soup. Yeah, so it's a bit like pouring cream and mushroom soup on top of a full English, which could work. We'll have to try that another well, way. Well, that's another, you know, let's not get ahead of that's ourselves. Of fish. My problem with white yoghurt, right? Yeah. My plate is white that I put my breakfast on. Ah. So if I plop yoghurt on there, I'm going to be eating. I, I, I just know myself. I'll forget about the yoghurt because I won't meal. see it. I'll just think, well, that's part of the plate. And I'm not going to try and eat part of my plate, am I? Um, there is also looking. a risk if you pour too much yogurt, then it might look like you just don't have a breakfast at all. If you cover it in yogurt, uh-huh. then you're going to look at it and uh-huh. go, "Oh, I guess I've already eaten my breakfast." And, and, and you know what I'm going to do? Oh, now no, I don't I think, need to. And then you'll starve to death. Yep, yep, yep. Or I'll go. Oh no, I've I've not made me breakfast. I must have been. And then in you'll some make sort. it again. Exactly. And, and then I put that on the plate, and then I've got a double breakfast 
with a yogurt in between. you'll get so fat that you'll die. Exactly. So either way, you're going to die. Exactly. Yogurt. And if I put the yogurt on top of the second breakfast, the whole thing might happen again. And then I'm, yeah. I'm going to have three breakfasts. And then you're going to end up with three breakfasts Four, in five, Mongo. You know. And, and you've got cholesterol problems. So that's I, bad I do. news I've for you. I've got cholesterol problems. It's true. It's true. Doctor said if you ate one more lardy cake, your heart would explode. Next week, Levi is joined by pet groomer Abigail Flunt to discuss adding smints to the full English breakfast. You're listening to Soundheap. Soundheap. We're nothing without our heapsters. I think it's good. It sounds a bit like hipsters, you see. I think it's good. It's nice. Heapsters. I don't... Yeah. Here's a clip from Elty John and his lobbly sons. Oh, it's Elton John here, uh, talking about my lovely songs. Today I want to talk about a lovely song called Waka Me Up Before You Go-Go. Waka Me Up Before You Go-Go. I had the idea for Waka Me Up Before You Go-Go when somebody go-go'd without waking me up first. And I thought, what, what, I was asleep. Why do you go-go'd? And I wanted to know when you go-go'd. And that is a very big shine for me, Elton John. So I said to Barney, Barney, will you write me a song about this? And I explained what the thing was that I wanted a song written about. It was about not being whacking up before you go-go. And Barney said, I saw already done a song that that is be wham wham have done the song and i thought oh, that's a big old shame uh, but we all have to deal with sad things in our lives isn't that right terry negerton yeah he's doing the washing up in ratatouille host pierre medallion celebrates the movie ratatouille by asking guests what they'd like to see in a sequel to the disney pixar classic in this week's episode he's joined by tristram field So good, they wanted more. L'erreur est Right, here we go. What do people love about Ratatouille? They love that he was a little rat who was where he shouldn't be, i.e. a kitchen. And I was thinking, where else would you not want to see a rat? And I thought about places I had seen rats. And one place I saw a rat was when I was in an arcade once, in an arcade uh, adjacent to a bowling alley. And I saw a rat and I thought, OK, that's going to be my pitch for Ratta 3. So you've got he goes into the video game arcade and right. somehow Ratatouille ends up in one of the games. He ends up in one of the cabinet um, video games. Ah, right. His name is Remy. Yes, yeah, um, that's right. Yes, and so he uh, and he's uh, he's in one of these games. What he has to do is he's like he's smashing. He has to smash things um, okay. like that. But then maybe he goes into a different. Uh, he goes into a different game at some point in the um, in the film, yeah. and then he meets characters from. Then he meets characters from other games other as well. Games. Yes, yeah. Uh, IP. The, mm-hmm. uh, what I would say, I, it's not a bad idea for a film. In fact, thank you so I think much. It is, apart from. Remy being bold, it's a very good idea for a film. It's such a good idea. In fact, I think it is a film that already exists. I think you have described uh, the Disney film Wreck-It Ralph. What did you say it was called? It's called Wreck-It Ralph. Look, we, we do not need to dwell on it, you know. It's just a bit of fun. We are not working for Disney, oh, so let's I, I, move on. And, you know, why not... I've, written, each... I mean, I've, written, the, um, I've written the script. Oh. But you probably... I mean, did you spend much time on the script? 
I am um, a year and a half. I took time I, off a year and a half of work. Well, yeah, took but, out some but, loans and things, oh, and um, yeah. I was very strict with myself. I didn't go outside. I was just writing the script for you know for twenty four hours a day. Really, didn't sleep. It was a horrible year. Well, look, let's 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 let bygones be bygones, okay. and uh, you know why not. Why not let's just go, hey, what would another film be? Okay, another Okay, okay, okay right. Okay, yeah. uh, okay, so uh, a different version of Rata 3. Yes, uh, Rata 3. This one's exciting. Okay, so the royal family. Mm. Imagine the royal family are all lining up to have their photo taken when, shock horror, a freak lightning bolt kills a lot of them. And it turns out that by some fluke of of uh, flukiness that the only living heir to the royal family is a rat yes and so that but oh my goodness imagine it's a fish out of water it's a coin a phrase it's not it's a rat in a palace um and and he has to get used to all of the different things that happen in the palace he's not used to it and his his sort of culture bumps up against the culture of the palace look i again i i don't i, I feel i shouldn't uh unicote this yeah. Um, this you are, what you've just described is is a film already. It's called King Ralph. It's not a rat. It's John Goodman, uh, but he oh. you know everything happens. It you know electric shock. The family die and they bring in. But it's I mean this I mean it's fine. Okay. This, at least this time you haven't spent a year and a half writing the script for it. No, no I haven't. I haven't yeah. done that. Yeah. Right. You, you, sorry, you you seem quite um, shaken. I, I don't. Know. I. D- I Let's just say I've spent I've spent a good chunk of time. Oh. I wouldn't say a full decade on a lot a lot of projects that I've found out today probably don't have a future. I'm afraid it's nearly time to say boop boop. We've just got time for the punch out. In funeral, Ryland Clark Neal interviews celebrity guests about their funeral plans. In this week's episode, he speaks to voice actor Olive Pant, best known as the original voice of Peppa Pig. Let's take a listen. I think when I go, I just want to be put in the ground where nobody can get me ever again or or anything like that. I think I just want it to be over and I and, and I wouldn't I wouldn't ever want to run the risk of coming back as sausages. Soundheap was presented by me, John Luke Roberts, and featured Carrie Ad Lloyd, Charlie George, Deborah Francis White, Gareth Gwynn, Catherine Parkinson, Katie Brand, Ken Cheng, Kieran Hodgson, Paddy Jervers, Ruth Bratt, Simon Ferdos, Suze Kempner, The Delightful Sausage, Tom Allen, Tom Neenan, and Tucson Douglas. The original music was by Paddy Jervers and Rob Sell at Torch and Compass, and the producer was Ed Morrish. Soundheap is a Lead Mojo production. For Audi. Boop, boop, heapsters! What if rather than being a chef, he became an actor? You're thinking, how can a rat be an actor? Well, the thing is, he starts off in sitcoms. He starts off in a, a sort of very youth-orientated sitcom about drinking in pubs. And then also he's in a sitcom that's set in one room and it's sort of a family and they all watch TV together. Uh-huh. And then he, he sort of his career gets better. And then he's in a show where murders happen in I the do. Caribbean. And I, look, it is. I have good news and I have bad news. Okay. So that is not a film that exists. Oh. You have not described a film that exists. Uh, you, but okay. what you, what you, you have, 
yeah, yeah, you yeah. seem very happy. I'm almost so sad happy. to say the yeah. bad news. What you have described is the career of Ralph Little. 